This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Imagine a place of your own in your name, a place where all your stuff is, where there's a dinner table and a family around it. Virginia Housing makes it possible for thousands across the Commonwealth with our special homeownership programs, including loans, grants, and free classes. Because when we help people buy homes, their communities thrive. Click to learn more about Virginia Housing and see how home helps everyone. This episode is brought to you by Tic Tac. Minty, refreshing, classic. And it's not just the Tic Tac mints. It's the new track by Canise with beats that'll leave you feeling as refreshed as a Tic Tac and a vibe that'll take you on a ride through 100 layers of flavor. Does it get any fresher than this? Tic Tac, enjoy the bright side. That hundred layer joy ride. Pop one, let's paint the town. Freshman flavors all around. Take a ride on a Tic Tac. Pick up a pack of Tic Tac mints today. Let me give you a big Labor Day surprise. Most people think if we all exercise the same and eat the same, we'd all look the same. And let me tell you why that's wrong. Your body is unique and your metabolism is unique. I'm Lacey Green, and I'm a super trainer at Body. That's B-O-D-I.com. And you can't see me, but I don't look like your average personal trainer. I'm curvy, and I'm proud of it. So I created a program for beginners only on the Body app to show people like us how to get incredible results and be our version of happy and healthy. This isn't just workout videos. It's people like you and me. It's community. It's incredible trainers. It's easy to follow nutrition and mindset experts to help you reduce stress and just feel better. And you can get started with my new program called For Beginners Only. Now, here's the big surprise. If you go to body.com right now, that's B-O-D-I.com, not only can you get everything Body has to offer at 50% off with an annual membership, you'll also get an additional 20% off, but only during Labor Day weekend. Let's do this together. Go to body.com. That's body with an I.com. Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode number 530 of the Duke Basketball Roundup. It is Sunday, August 13th. 2023, we are in the middle of August. Football season is around the corner, but of course, we have some basketball news to discuss, and I guess uh, football uh, in the form of conference realignment, which was kind of crazy over the last couple of weeks. Uh, first off, introductions, in case you don't know who we are. I am Donald Wine. I am your host for this episode. Jason Evans cannot be here with us. I just got back from the Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand, and as I came back, Jason loved me so much that he left on his own vacation. He is on a cruise in Norway and Iceland. 
if any of you have been on a cruise before, uh, you know that Wi-Fi is pretty much non-existent when you're on those. Also, he's in Norway and Iceland. He should be focused on that. But I do have my good friend Sam Klein here with me. Sam, good morning. How are you? Just at home. Just regular, regular at home, no trip. So, uh, Donald, I guess very quickly, despite the uh, despite the disappointment of the U.S. women's national team, uh, how was the trip? The trip was great. Uh, yes, results notwithstanding, you know, New Zealand, Australia. Uh, I've been to Australia before. New Zealand, I had not been to. The last episode uh, that we recorded, I recorded from Auckland. Um, fast, you know, just a fascinating place. The people were great. Everything about the trip was terrific, with the exception of the results on the field. Obviously, the World Cup is still going on, so my sleep schedule has not quite returned to normal because these games are in the middle of the night here in the United States. And I have been either going to bed early or just taking a quick nap at night just so I can wake up to watch the rest of these games. I have one more week of that. But uh, yeah, I, I think I'll talk more about the soccer side of things over my podcast, the USA Soccer Cast. So if any of you want to go over there and listen to that, there will be an, a couple of episodes this week kind of recapping the World Cup experience. But great time. Glad I went. But I'm I'm back and, and glad to be discussing Duke basketball with you, Sam. But Sam, while we were gone, uh, I, the, obviously the viewers can't see this, but you know we've talked about about your your moving situation. You are in some new digs. How are they so far? How's the how's the movement treating you? Uh, totally fine. Still still in Cambridge, but um, but yeah, new apartment. Most of the same stuff. Uh, just been that's eh, been a weird time, but uh, but I'm good. Uh, I'm I'm ready to talk. Uh, I'm ready to talk, uh, you know, recruiting and and conference realignment, like all the all the sort of non on the court stuff that we love to do in August. Yeah, well, you know what? We'll talk about conference realignment after the break. Uh, obviously, while I was gone, a lot happened there. Uh, but we want to get into recruiting because there was a couple of recruiting notes that happened just in the last couple of days that I think Duke fans are interested in discussing. The first one last night, uh, as again as we record on Sunday, August thirteenth, last night. Flurry Badungu, who was recruited by Duke, opted to not go to Duke. He's instead going to Kansas. Uh, he was also considering Auburn and Michigan in addition to Duke and Kansas. But I think in the last few days, we had heard that Flurry Badunga was very interested in coming to Duke, but that there was a lot of other factors in the name of name, image, and likeness uh, that maybe steered him towards Kansas. But Sam, I want you to comment on Flurry Badunga, who again goes to PVI. So He's a teammate of Darren Harris, who has committed to Duke, but he will not be joining his teammate in Durham. Your thoughts on Florida Badunga going to Kansas? Well, the most interesting thing about this, I feel like, was right before he committed to Kansas, there was all this chatter that he was actually going to be going to Auburn because uh, Auburn was was apparently throwing a, a or some Auburn boosters, at least, were going to throw a large bag at him. And then uh, he changed his mind and is going to Kansas instead. We told you that he was a really interesting prospect for Duke. He's one of the most highly rated players in the 2024 class, the, the class that are rising seniors right now. And on the one hand, would be, you know, great news if, Flory Badunga had changed his mind or, or had decided that, that he wanted to be in Durham. Uh, but there are a few possibilities for reasons why uh, he might not be coming, not the least of which is, you know, Kansas is a great program. Uh, Auburn has sent a lot of guys to the NBA recently. Like, it, it's not like he had a shortage of, of like, 
you know, mediocre options and then Duke, right? Duke is losing a recruiting battle here to uh to to other, you know, in, in the case of Kansas Blue Bloods and and if if Auburn came in second place here, uh, a school that is that is recruiting pretty well in recent years. So I don't think this is something Duke fans should be getting themselves down on. But back to the situation uh sort of in the in the front court for Duke. Kyle Filipowski's coming back this year. If he, you know, continues on his path of of wanting to stick around long enough to get his degree. I don't know how likely that is to happen, but if it does, then that's a guy who is, you know, standing between Florida Badunga and 30 minutes a game. Cooper Flagg, who I know we're going to talk about soon, might be an option for Duke as well in the front court. I don't think that he and Badunga play exactly the same position, but another guy to be tussling with, Sean Stewart is already on the roster. So uh, there are lots of there are lots of places where you could see Florey Bedinga looking at this lineup, looking at himself as a one-and-done prospect and thinking maybe there aren't 25 or 30 minutes a game on this squad, or maybe they're not guaranteed for me. That being said, it's interesting that he chose Kansas because uh, because by all reports, Hunter Dickinson is is planning to take both of his uh, additional years of eligibility there. So we'll see how that how that works out for Flory Badunga. I'm a little disappointed because obviously any top five guy that, that's interested in Duke is someone that I want to see in Durham, but uh, I don't think this is a dire situation. And frankly, Duke's been doing so well in the recruiting trail in the last couple of years that maybe a little bit of humbling uh, is it, you know, isn't so bad for, for John Shire and his staff. Yeah. You can't win them all. We'd love to win them all, but you just can't, you can't win all the recruiting battles, but also Sam, you were talking about some of the, I guess the log jam that we have at the four and the five and the positions that Florida Badunga would play. Uh, you, I mean, you mentioned Sean Stewart being around Kyle Filipowski. If he decides to stay for his junior season, we, at this point, we don't think that's likely, but it's obviously possible. You also have Christian Reeves. You have TJ power. You have a lot of guys there who will be factoring into those four and five minutes that are going to be distributed. And like you said, if you are a one and done type of player, or you feel like you're a one and done type of player, you want to get as much minutes as possible. And, you know, Kansas might be the place where he can get those minutes, even if he's playing alongside a Hunter Dickinson. So it's funny, you know, a, a school that has become kind of a one and done factory over the last few years, John Starr comes in and kind of gives, gives us a little bit of stability and consistency. And that might have helped rule out one of the top players in the class from coming here. Uh, and, and, you know, in addition to a lot of other factors, but Yes, Florida Madunga, I, I agree with you. It would have been great to have him on the squad, but he's not He's not going to be someone where we're going to be scrambling. Uh, there's obviously a lot of other center uh, prospects out there. Uh, I know Patrick Ngongbo was someone that we kind of looked at earlier. It sounds like we are cooling on him as well. And maybe it just may be where the recruiting that John Shire and this coaching staff is going to do is to keep some of these guys on the current team in Durham for another year. And that might be the recruiting uh, that they are going to be doing over the next 12 months. So let's move on. You mentioned one other guy uh, that made some news over the last couple of days, and that's Cooper Flagg. Cooper Flagg, who was the number two player in the class of 2025, has now reclassified. He is reclassified to the t- class of 2024, which is this senior class. He will graduate from high school at the end of this academic year. And he is now the number one prospect in that class. Um, that just tells you how good Cooper Flag has been over the last couple of years. 
you know, we've talked about him a lot on this show uh, between him and Cameron Boozer. These guys are most people consider the top two players in high school, regardless of class. But now Cooper flag who we've talked about his age, he will be 18 next year. He will be eligible, just barely eligible to enter the NBA draft after his freshman year. And by all accounts, he will be the number one pick in that draft. If should he decide to come out, but this might be the big one right here. And this also might be a little bit of a reason why, Badunga decided to go elsewhere. Sam, we've talked about this. We expected this to happen, but now that it has happened, what needs to happen now for Duke to land Cooper flag? Well, and, and we'll give Jason credit in absentia for, I think being the first one, at least on this show to mention the possibility that Cooper flag was going to reclassify. I don't think he generated that himself. Uh, I know that that's been, that's been kind of a, a background discussion in recruiting circles for over a year now, just given Cooper flags age and his, and his ability. And, and like you said, Donald, the general consensus that whether it's him or Cameron Boozer, those two have been the best players in high school over the last year, at, at least, at least since the, the 2022 class were in high school. So, so big news that flag has decided officially to reclassify. So he's now entering his senior year. And it means that, you know, we were talking about flag in, you know, in relation to the Boozer twins and the possibility that all three might end up at Duke. I think that the the natural conclusion that you reach, if you think that, that Duke is in good position for all of those guys, is that this reclassification makes it more likely that Duke is able to land all three of them. Uh, we I did talk before when we were discussing Flory Badunga, how there is, you know, you could see there being a bit of a logjam for a guy like Cooper Flag. The difference is that Cooper Flag is the like consensus best player in the class now. And whether it's Sean Stewart or Kyle Filipowski or TJ Power or, or name your, you know, big wing slash front court Blue Devils, uh, Cooper Flag very possibly is beating all of them out for minutes. He's a starter from day one, like no doubt. Uh, at Duke or at any school that he goes to. So whatever program lands him is going to find minutes. And and other guys in the rotation may suffer from that. Uh, but I, I think that is somewhat the price you pay for getting a kid who is this talented. The uh, I, I don't think there were any initial indications that this reclassification sort of changes the schools that he's looking at or, you know, or his like announcement timeline. Hopefully we see him commit uh, whether it's to Duke or elsewhere, hopefully we see him commit sooner than later, so that <laughs> we can either we can either continue getting excited about him or or move on. Uh, but but the indications, at least in the in the early goings here, are that he has he has a strong interest in Duke. I know that he was on campus a couple weeks ago to visit John Shire and the and the staff there. So uh, you know, all all signs good on the on the Cooper flag front, and I'll be very excited if Duke is able to land him. It would be phenomenal. Uh, this dude is the real deal. Like he is, he is phenomenal uh, to watch. You know, watching him. You know, several games on TV. This kid is everywhere. He's on offense. He's on defense. You know, he's only six. What six eight six nine? He's not like a, a seven footer that we're talking about here, but plays like one. And, and I think that's the big deal is that he can play. You know, he can play at small forward. He can play at the four. He can play at the five. And nobody he's going to disrespect everybody that he comes up against. Like that's, that's the type of player we're talking about. So yeah, I'm with you. I think this timeline 
probably accelerates when he does make an announcement. I don't think he reclassifies now just to wait until the spring circuit to make his decision. I think he makes a decision early and and basically works with that school to create a timeline where he can graduate on time, you know, you know, or, or at least early and be able to get on on campus for those summer workouts, which are so vital. We've talked about how uh, how the team is gelling over the summer with everybody being in Durham for workouts. Cooper flag is probably setting himself up so that he can be at whatever team he decides to go to. He can be at that team for the start of those summer workouts to gel with his team and really get into the college experience. So, you know, we, we've had this situation with Tyrese Proctor. He, he missed a lot of time last year because of the fact that he was playing for the Australian national team. I think this time around him, you know, being able to reclassify this early means He's on a path where he wants to graduate early. He's set with everything and that he can start his obligations with college very, very soon. And I mentioned the the positional log jam. Duke is in this embarrassment of riches situation this year where a couple guys who we thought might be going to the NBA are coming back. Four guys, really, if you think of, about like any possibilities they were going to leave. Uh, Duke's got four more guys on the roster this year than... Uh, or for like elite guys, they didn't think they were going to have in the aforementioned Filipowski and Proctor, in addition to Mark Mitchell and Jeremy Roach. Uh, so we will see if if that trend at all continues next year. I, I talked about Sean Stewart already. Mark Mitchell, of course, is another one who would notionally be competing with Cooper Flag for those you know big wing slash front court minutes. So uh, this commitment would would sort of create a little bit more of a sense of urgency, I think, from from some of the guys on the roster about, you know, performing or, or then potentially thinking about transferring, but it's too early to get there. Cooper flag is not committed yet. We don't know what's going to happen. So uh, I, I will just continue to be excited for the possibility and, you know, obviously not forgetting that <laughs> there's a whole season uh, between now and, and when he shows up in college. It, a great problem to have is to have to be able to play Tetris with minutes because you have a player of that magnitude. So we hope that happens. Uh, and that this this coaching staff has that problem of having to figure out where to put all these guys and how many minutes to play each. It's a great problem to have. But we will leave it there. Let's take a break. On the other side of the break, we're going to talk conference realignment. A lot has happened over the last couple of weeks. We will discuss it all after this. Let me give you a big Labor Day surprise. Most people think if we all exercise the same and eat the same, we'd all look the same. And let me tell you why that's wrong. Your body is unique and your metabolism is unique. I'm Lacey Green, and I'm a super trainer at Body. That's B-O-D-I dot com. And you can't see me, but I don't look like your average personal trainer. I'm curvy, and I'm proud of it. So I created a program for beginners only on the Body app to show people like us how to get incredible results and be our version of happy and healthy. This isn't just workout videos. It's people like you and me. It's community. It's incredible trainers. It's easy to follow nutrition and mindset experts to help you reduce stress and just feel better. And you can get started with my new program called For Beginners Only. Now, here's the big surprise. If you go to body.com right now, that's B-O-D-I.com, not only can you get everything Body has to offer at 50% off with an annual membership, you'll also get an additional 20% off, but only during Labor Day weekend. Let's do this together. Go to body.com. That's body with an I.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid scale solar energy in Ohio and 
producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Imagine a place of your own in your name, a place where all your stuff is, where there's a dinner table and a family around it. Virginia Housing makes it possible for thousands across the Commonwealth with our special homeownership programs, including loans, grants, and free classes. Because when we help people buy homes, their communities thrive. Click to learn more about Virginia Housing and see how home helps everyone. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, y'all. We are back, and it's time to discuss everything that has happened in the form of conference realignment over the last couple of weeks. When I went to New Zealand and Australia back on July 24th, there was a Pac-12. Now it's a Pac-4. And in, in spite of everything else, the, the Big Ten has expanded. The Big 12 has expanded. The Pac-12 is now, again, the Pac-4. They may be the Pac-West. There's a lot that's happening right now, but we want to talk about it, not just in terms of the, the whole conference landscape, but really focusing in on the ACC. The ACC has also had some some things that has happened over the last couple of weeks. First off, FSU kind of gave an ultimatum of sorts, or I guess like at least a public condemnation of the uh, grant of rights deal that they all signed that has been kind of the bane of the conference's existence over the last couple of years. They have kind of said, you know, we're looking to try and, and leave but we can't because we're trying to figure out how to get out of this land, this grant of rights thing. Also, because of the ACC trying to keep up with the Joneses, so to speak, we've heard reports over the last week or so that they have talked to three schools, uh, at least had initial conversations about three schools potentially joining the ACC. Those three schools are Cal, Stanford, and SMU. Sam, first of all, I, I you you've been here. I, I've been abroad. It's hard to kind of keep up with the Pac-12 disappearing literally overnight. Um, 
bring us up to speed on, on, on what this landscape looks like right now and what it means for the ACC and really what it means for Duke. Well, it it really laid bare the uh, the value of certain programs over other programs when it comes to how conference realignment shakes out. And it, it's sort of funny that, you know, th- these these conferences that we talk about, some of them have have geographic uh distinctions right in their names and some of them are just sort of known that way right like the big 10 is is a midwestern conference the acc is an east coast conference and really used to be like just a southeast uh coast conference uh, before it expanded north the sec by name is the southeastern conference the pac-12 by name is the is the the conference in the west coast increasingly though uh these conferences are more being aligned by you know the the level of interest in their football programs and you can see very clearly the way that the Big Ten and the SEC targeted these schools and their and their markets, and that they're looking at Stanford and Cal, who both have certainly like moments of glory in their football past, but but not recent enough to be driving big uh, big eyeballs. They look at Stanford and, and see a litany of successful Olympic sports that, frankly, don't bring in any money. Uh, they're really just being funded from you know either from their their Pac-12 proceeds or from or from other donations to the school and the big 10 and the sec are collectively saying you know who the valuable properties are and they are they are just properties to them the value you know i i don't know that there's more uh cultural alignment between the big 10 and and washington and oregon than there is between the big 10 and potentially you know berkeley and stanford right they they, they already brought in usc and ucla they're saying what are the what are the best opportunities for us to get more TV eyeballs? It's Oregon, it's Washington, two teams that have actually played in the college football playoff. Uh, not not super recently, but but both of them have, or, or at least played in BCS championship games, programs that have been nationally relevant, especially more so than, than Stanford and Cal have over the last 10 years since, I guess, since Stanford lost uh, uh, Jim Harbaugh to the NFL is really the last time either of these programs was was really keen and, and nationally relevant and uh and then the same thing you know maybe to a lesser extent but the big 12 beefing up the conference after losing texas and oklahoma by taking uh colorado and utah and then and then arizona and arizona state not exactly the same profile nationally in terms of football except for utah among that group but but you know for the most part the somewhat competitive programs maybe you'd you give CU a bump for for being in a good market rather than rather than being in a good program. But this is how these these schools are being evaluated now, and it's it's interesting to me that in particular Stanford is being left out of the the carousel here, at least in the you know in the recent iteration. Maybe that's because uh, Cal Berkeley is such a is such a bad program to add, given the state of its finances and the state of its football program that. You sort of, if you assume that that all these Pac-12 teams come in pairs, that you you don't really want Berkeley and you really just want Stanford, um, and that the Washington and Oregon schools have broken up the the traditional pairings of Washington and Washington State as well as Oregon and Oregon State. But all of that is sort of outside of of where we are with Duke, because the chatter around uh, you know post the Pac-12 falling apart and now currently being a Pac-4, a conference that cannot continue to exist, uh, at least as far as NCAA tournament eligibility is concerned. So uh, there's a lot there, there. It seems like there are a lot of options for these remaining schools uh, in terms of adding other teams, maybe going to other conferences uh, where they're going to have much lighter 
um, much lighter TV payouts, but they'll still be able to compete in Division One conferences like the Mountain West, where where they'll get small payouts, but but they'll still be in a competitive league. Uh, unknown how all of that shakes out, but as it relates to Duke, the chatter as of Sunday morning is still that the ACC is considering Stanford and Berkeley, uh, but that four schools, North Carolina, North Carolina State, Florida State, and Clemson are not on board with this addition. The ACC would need at least one of those schools to to change their mind to get to the supermajority that they need to approve any additions to the conference. But so, so at least according to the reporting, Duke is on board with adding uh, Stanford and Cal to the ACC's lineup. However, let me tell you what an enormous nightmare it would be for the <laughs> ACC to add these two schools, all right? Flying from Tallahassee or Miami to South Bend is like a couple hours of a trip. You could do it that afternoon and still play the game. It's not great, but you can do it. You can fly from Miami to Boston. It takes about three hours. To fly from Boston to San Francisco, uh, heading west, takes about six or seven hours in the air. It's about, you know, it's approximately the same if you're coming from Syracuse or Pittsburgh. Maybe you shave an hour, an hour and a half off that trip. Those are long trips. Duke does, you, you all follow uh, Duke men's basketball. Duke's going to play in Arizona next year as part of the home and home series with the Wildcats that, that they set up that, that's starting this fall in Durham. Duke very rarely travels away from, from Eastern time. Occasionally they'll play in Central time, like they'll play games in, in Chicago. Uh, um, so, but, but, but Coach K uh, has long avoided scheduling on the West Coast. John Shire, except for this one Arizona game, this one-off game, uh, which I'm sure they're going to plan, you know, days of rest around, doesn't do and, this for and they have a year to plan it. Yeah, and they so, so so they are going to clear the schedule for this thing. I doubt that Duke is playing in Durham, and then two days later they're playing in Tucson. Having all these games in the San Francisco Bay Area would be a nightmare for the ACC schools scheduling this. And I don't care what people from the Big Ten say about adding Washington and Oregon and UCLA and and USC. It is going to stink to be every team that's at Penn State or Rutgers or Maryland or Ohio State or Michigan, any of those that's not the football team that only plays once a week, being on the baseball team or the volleyball team or the soccer team or the lacrosse team. I don't know if they play lacrosse on the West Coast. I don't think they do. But but being any of those any of those athletes that's playing games multiple times a week uh, and having to travel and, and basketball, you know, basketball is, is in that group uh, is going to be a nightmare. The, the, the players are going to hate it. Uh you know, maybe it'll be cool because they'll get to they'll get to go to more places. But uh, I, I do not see this being a great outcome for the players. And I honestly don't know. How, like, I, I I guess it's just a financial thing for the for the athletic department and feeling jealous that that these other conferences have you know are getting like you know Rutgers is getting more money from their TV deal than Duke is, and so that makes us feel like oh well, shouldn't Duke be getting more? But man, I can't imagine being the student athletes who have to do that much extra travel. And sure, they would figure out how to how to bundle the games together the way that the Pac-12 is traditionally done, where you know the, the the teams travel in pairs to each other. Because even all being on the West Coast, they're still much more spread out than like everyone in the SEC is. But it, it, I, I I don't know. I, I don't love it. Uh, it's, it doesn't seem to make much sense to me. And it's also sort of an admission, not that. Not that we need to be convinced otherwise, but it is kind of an admission that the ACC is just 
you know, picking up the dregs of whatever the Big Ten and the SEC and the, and and to some extent the Big Twelve didn't want. You know, I, I think when you talk about you have to kind of take football and even men's basketball and set them aside when you talk about the logistics of travel, as much as you just are, are correct in how the logistics of those games are going to be bad. They have one thing over the rest of the sports and that's, they have charter travel, right? Like football does not fly Delta. They don't fly United. They don't fly American. They don't fly Southwest. They have charter flights. And I, I travel all the time for soccer. I'm all over the place, as you know. I see all of these Olympic sports from all these different schools, and they're on the same planes as I am. They're in middle seats. They're, you know, on, you know, flying standby because their flight was canceled. You ha- you see this all the time. Games get canceled because or postponed because people can't get to the places because of weather, because of mechanical delays or what have you. Football and basketball, men's basketball do not have to deal with that. And it's still going to be an issue for them because we can't get some of these guys. And, and I'm not saying Duke is, is complicit in this, but there I, I, you know, I went to Miami as well. I, I, I know a lot of people at all these schools. There are guys who can't show up for class on Monday after playing at home. They're going to go to, you know, from especially like even Rutgers, you took, you know, take Rutgers, for example, Rutgers is going to go to UCLA for a game and then come back. And then you're going to expect all those guys to be at class on Monday. That's not going to happen. Like the just jet lag is going to rule you out for a day. Like that's how that works. They're, they're going to spend all day Sunday flying back because they're not going to fly. They're either going to take a red eye, which is going to be terrible, or they're going to fly back all day Sunday, which renders Sunday obsolete. And then they have to catch up on school work and all this stuff on Monday. That's going to be some of the, the, the new reality for all of these athletes. But really when it comes to, the volleyball players, the, you know, the golf players, right? Like fencing, swimming, like, I mean, look, Cal Stanford, very big at swimming, right? Swimming and diving. Duke, very big at swimming and diving. It's going to be, if they play, like they're going to have to travel cross country to do that. Guys, that's not something that you could just fly across the country and go, all right, let's jump in the pool and, and do the swim meet. Like they need preparation time as well. And, being able to fly commercial or at least having have, having to fly commercial doesn't render you the ability to do that. So I think this is what's going to be lost in this. Yeah, sure. The money might be there for some of these teams and some of these schools, but the logistics are going to be a nightmare. And, and that's going to really strain some of these departments to the point where you have to consider, I mean, was it Stanford that even had to eliminate some schools or some sports recently? We talked about Maryland having to eliminate so many of those Olympic sports that they had because they were spending so many resources on football. And that's not including adding the West Coast schools that they just added in the Big Ten. This is going to that's for, so and that's for Maryland to get their butts kicked in every big game they play. In every sport. Yeah. Like it's it's this is going to really endanger some of those non-revenue sports. And ladies and gentlemen, that includes women's basketball for some of these schools, because for some of these schools, Again, women's basketball, they they fly commercial. They don't fly charter. Like they they there's, have to stay in airport, airports. There's not a there's not a big gate revenue for, for women's basketball in a lot of these schools unless they have unless they have sort of an established like even even Duke, which has a consistently not top five, but like consistently top 10, top 15-ish type women's basketball program, 
it, it, it's still like Cameron Indoor is not full for women's mm-hmm. basketball games. People are showing up. People are, are are paying for tickets. I'm not sure that women's basketball is like is like paying for its own program. Like it, even even women's basketball at Duke and at some of these other prominent women's basketball schools has to dip into the revenue that's coming in from the football contracts to to keep things going. Right. I think I think even I think I think there's maybe a couple of programs on the women's side that make money, right? It's probably UConn, maybe South Carolina, maybe Tennessee. Maybe. That's about it. That's about it. And so for a lot of these schools, and then again, some of those teams still have to fly commercial. Like I've seen I've seen Tennessee's team struggling into middle seats and maybe an exit row, but they're not flying first class and they're not flying charter to some of these games. And I think that's where a lot of people are going to miss the boat because I think all the, all the glitz and glamor about the money and having these guys on TV for football is going to make it where some of these programs are endangered. And I think that's going to be the real issue. I'll tell you something that it's cool for is that it's going to be fun to see more like Oregon, Ohio state football games, right? Like undoubtedly some of these football games are going to be great. It's going to be, it's going to be more fun seeing them. Uh, it's going to be tough on uh, NCAA tournament seating as these conferences get bigger and the the big guys get farther away from the middle guys to distinguish between middling to low-level uh, uh, major conference teams against top mid-major teams. That's going to be that's going to be frustrating. Not something Duke's going to have to deal with unless the ACC gets downgraded. Uh, and, and then we've talked before about how there's always a possibility that the end state of this is that the SEC and the Big Ten are the only conferences left, uh, or at least the only major conferences left. Like, the Mountain West Conference exists. It has great football and men's basketball programs. Uh, rarely do those programs actually compete for national titles. Uh, same thing in, in the American... And, you know, whatever happens now to the Pac-12, Notre Dame's probably the only the only program like nationally that, that maintains even a, a pseudo independent profile and, and manages to be competitive in these sports. Obviously, it's in the ACC for for basketball, but but not for football. Stanford might and and Cal might choose to go the way of, of Notre Dame and and take on an independent football schedule and and figure the rest out in a in a different conference. I don't know. Uh it is interesting to me coming back to the ACC, Donald, that there are those four schools that don't want Stanford and Cal to to join, and everybody else seems to be on board with it. I'm curious what like what Duke's thinking is on on including them versus not. It might just be the survival of the conference, and that and that maybe they bring the sort of average value of the ACC up because I imagine that that Wake Forest and and Pittsburgh and maybe some of these other schools have have less of a draw than than Stanford and Cal do. I don't know. I don't know how valuable any of them are as as television properties, if you will, if you want to value all of this in terms of assets as opposed to talking about them like they're schools and people. But uh, but but we'll see. We, we don't know. We don't know where this ends up uh, as far as ACC programs like Florida State seems to be seems to be, uh, you know, banging the drum about how how they need to be making more money to be competitive with the SEC. So I, 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 I don't know. Um, it's, it's all, well, the, it, it, it's all very like, it's all very like frustrating and confusing that we can't just accelerate to, to the end state here and, and, and find out what happens. Yeah. Well, you also mentioned, right. That there's what, six, seven years ago, 10 years ago when conference realignment happened in this kind of robust way, the first time 
it was about TV markets, right? And so while those aren't the main reasons why conference realignment is happening now, I'm sure those are all qualities that are still, you know, looked at and considered when it comes to trying to add a team to a conference. For example, Cal Stanford are in the San Francisco Bay Area market, which is one of the biggest TV markets in the country. It's also one of the most, you know, fertile places for recruitment when it comes to football. A lot of great football players come from that area. A lot of great basketball players come from San Francisco, San Jose, Oakland, um, you know, that area. So I'm sure some of these schools are like, hey, another opportunity to kind of find a fertile recruiting base from which you can gather a lot of players. And also, again, some of these non-revenue sports, a lot of athletes come from the San Francisco Bay Area. So maybe that is what's enticing some of them. Also, both are great academic institutions, which again is way down the line when it comes to consideration. But for some of these schools like a Duke or Miami or even a Wake Forest, maybe that is encouraging to them that, hey, we're going after a school that is great in academics as well as having high profile non-revenue sports uh, and, and even, you know, football and basketball programs that people at least consider somewhat relevant. So I, it's it's interesting. I just think, you know, the ACC, I remember when they brought in Louisville and Notre Dame and everyone's like, yo, they don't touch the Atlantic coast. How can they be part of the Atlantic coast conference? And now we're going to have an all coast conference with, if you add Cal and Stanford, it, it's all interesting to me. I think the quickness with how it's happened again, I was gone for two weeks and the PAC 12 disintegrated in two weeks. Like, after a whole summer of being intact, after a whole couple of years of kind of fighting off some of these, you know, other big, you know, big conferences from stealing some of their teams, they just went bye-bye in the span of a couple of weeks. I think that is what's the most shocking to me. But at the end of the day, the ACC, I think they're going to have to address this granted rights issue. They've we, We've discussed this on the show many times, but that granted rights issue is going to be an issue until it is resolved. But I think the only thing that the ACC can say is if they get rid of it, then some of these teams that you talked about, the the Clemsons and the Florida States, maybe even the UNCs, the UVAs, they're gone. And I think that is where they're trying to figure out how to keep this intact, this conference intact, while making it more enticing for other teams to want to be a part of it and to keep some of the people at home. So a lot is still going on. It feels like this is going to happen more over the next couple of weeks. We're going to get maybe some more resolution up until the start of college football season, which is in just a couple of weeks. Um, so we will leave it there for that. Uh, I have, and, Donald, yeah. Donald, I have one, I have one intriguing uh, uh, thought exercise for you. Okay, let's do it. What happens, or do you think that there's a possibility that a bunch of the SEC schools band together and decide to vote out schools like Vanderbilt or that, the Big Ten schools get together and decide to vote out schools like Rutgers and Northwestern uh, at some point, or these schools, like these schools that that sort of have these middling programs. And by the way, if Duke, you know, if Duke was in the SEC, that there might be a there might be a similar conversation, other than the fact that Duke has arguably the most basketball program. But do you think there's a world where where we get to the point in conference realignment where the haves within the have conferences decide to kick out the have-nots that are in the have conferences? Oh, yeah, I I think we're way closer than most people think. I think when you talk about, again, if the SEC is able to pull Florida State, Clemson, maybe even a Miami away from the ACC, they would gladly remove probably Vandy, 
what Missouri, they'd probably kick those teams out in a heartbeat to add those two because again, the money that they're going to get, whatever payouts they have to give teams to go bye bye, is going to be offset by the amount of money that is coming in with these schools. And I think, I honestly think, for in the case of Florida State and Clemson, that's kind of what they're waiting for is that opening where they can a get out of the grant of rights, but also the SEC kind of says, yeah, 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 we we ha- we'll make room for you over here. We just got to get rid of these two teams over here. I think in the Big Ten. I don't know about Rutgers. I would say probably Rutgers because there's not a lot of um, uh, of loyalty there, right? They just got there. Maybe Maryland gets you know gets booted again, you know. But the ones that I heard about were kind of more established teams: Minnesota, Northwestern, Purdue, Indiana. Like those are schools that were can, were being thrown around, and I don't necessarily think that those teams are going to go out of the Big Ten. Uh, I think there's, again, a lot of loyalty there, a lot of rivalries that have been built between schools there, enough where they can keep them. But I do think we're almost at the point where, yeah, I think there's going to be teams that say, hey, we'll come in as long as you know you make room for us. And SEC and Big Ten could say, yeah, yeah, let's let's do some trading here. You know, let's take it's I'll give you way. these two schools for this school to be named later. Right. Like, you know, in a way they. You know, the, the if you take the collective action of of the schools that have left the Pac-12 for the Big Ten and the schools that have left the Pac-12 to go to the Big 12, they've sort of like done this voting themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, it doesn't seem like they they colluded with each other on it. Um, but there's a little bit of like, all right, who are we like voting off the island here? Um, the other thing that I, I'd be curious about, and I should I have I have a number of friends that are University of Colorado alumni, um, but I'd love to know the discussion there about. Uh, CU, which left the Big 12 just a few years ago, to now go back to the Big 12 um, to not play Texas and to not play Nebraska. Uh, the the right. schools that like were there, you know, were some of their big rivals. Once upon I mean, Nebraska Colorado was it was one of the big rivalries in college football. Was a football. real rivalry. Yeah, they um, they did not like each other. Um, no, those games uh, were they, also always great. Like, but they don't but they don't play in the same conference. So uh, anyway. I think also, you know, I'm good here. Yeah. Well, even just to like to to put a bow in it, like I I think before, even when we talked about conference realignment a few months ago, the whole, you know, teams were kind of tied together. That has gone by the wayside, too. As you mentioned, the Oregon teams split up, the Washington teams split up. You know, there's a lot of I think there's going to be a lot of interesting scenarios here where I, I think before you could say, hey, you know, Virginia Tech, who entered the ACC because UVA lobbied for them to join because they were kind of bound by this. Will UVA or Virginia Tech, will they leave and take the other with them? I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen. NC State and UNC have always been considered to be banded together by the legislature. Could UNC say, no, let's take Duke and let's go to the Big Ten or take Duke and go somewhere else? That's a question, too. There's a lot of things that need to be kind of sorted out. But at the end of the day, Right now, we're in the middle of chaos, and we just need to have chaos kind of subside before we kind of see what has transpired and, and how college football and, and the rest of college sports go from there. So let's leave it there. We will end it here on episode 530 of the Duke Basketball Roundup. Again, Sam, thank you for joining me. For Jason in Abstentia, we hope we'll see you soon. We're, we're going to probably take a week or two off um, just so Jason can get back from Norway and Iceland, where he's having his great vacation. We have a lot of things coming up. Remember, 
we have a bunch of affiliate links that you can use to also help save money and you can support this show. Fanatics, Home Field um, Apparel, you guys can get 15% off at Home Field using DBR Podcast on that code. A lot of stuff that they have released in, in, in anticipation of the upcoming football season and basketball season. So go check it out. Great, great Duke stuff. Other schools, if you if you want to support them as well. And they also even have some cool stuff that are just blanks. If you just like wearing blank t-shirts, they have a blank Duke blue t-shirt that you can wear out, out in the open uh, for, for everyone to see. So go buy home field, go buy fanatics, use our affiliate link, linktree.com slash DBR podcast. You can find that, but for Sam and for Jason abstention, I am Donald. This is episode five thirty, And now it is time for the Duke fan to play us out and take us home.